Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Mark and I are both speaking today, so he had one title and I had another. I said, just put one up. <laughs> they were both similar. <laughs> so, I know, right? Anyway. So, um, Darlene, you want to pass out the prophetic words? I copied off the words so that you can follow along. It was two weeks ago. Last week was Father's Day, and we weren't here. It was the week before. And um, it was interesting. Yesterday when I um, was eating my uh, breakfast, and I was looking at my, um, my phone look, reading the news, and there was a, um, a uh, warning in there by a general, uh, General Flynn, who served during the President Trump's um, time in office, and he gave a, um, he said it was a flag warning. And so I read it, and I thought, wow, that's confirmation of the word the Lord spoke a couple weeks ago to us. You know, sometimes when you give a prophetic word, even when I give it, and the Lord's, the Spirit of God is on me, I'm speaking, I, I don't know exactly what it means. I just, I'm trying to be obedient to the Lord. And then he usually brings it to light later. But I really felt it was a, a warning because, um, there's things happening on the earth now and that are going to be happening, and it's important that we pay attention so we don't miss what God is doing, okay? So I'm just going to read part of this, and then I'm going to read the scriptures. The first one is in Psalms 2, um, 1 to 4. I'm going to be reading that first. But anyway, in the beginning of the Lord, the, the word, the Lord said, fear not, for though the nations are raging right now, and he said, yes, the nations are raging, I will have my way. For nothing that is being done on this earth right now is a surprise to me, says the Spirit of God. Okay, so he's talking about the nations raging. And in this warning from General Flynn, who was, I believe, the head of national security, I mean, he's a general, vice general. Anyway, I was listening to his interview, and he was talking about what's going on in the earth right now with the nations. And um, he was saying, uh, well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself now. I'll I'll share more as I get down here later. Okay, so the nations are raging, and that is not a surprise to the Lord. And I'm going to read the scripture out of Psalms 1 because that goes along with this. This is, this is scriptural, guys. I mean, it's in the Word of God. But the Lord has an answer, too. So Psalms, Psalms 2, not Psalms 1. Psalms 2, verses 1 to 4. We have that up there? Yeah. Okay, so it says, Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. But he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Okay, so hang on to that. Okay, and then down the second paragraph, this is, and there are those who are shaking their heads and saying, I will do this, and I will turn this nation this way, and I will exert my power to do this. What does it say? It says, the kings of the earth will set themselves, and the rulers will take counsel together against the Lord, and they will say, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords. This is scriptural, what the Lord was telling us here. Okay, he says, none of that will succeed because I am the Lord of the whole earth and I rule and reign in the nations and I will have my way. 
it's really important that we remember that in this season, this time we're in here on the earth, because the Lord is shaking the nations. He's shaking us. He's shaking other nations. And people are saying, but I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And the Lord says, uh-uh, I'm going to have my way. I rule and reign here. Forget it. No way. You know? So we got to remember that. It's really important to remember that. Third paragraph says, so do not be deceived by the myths and lies being put forth by the enemy right now, for I am the only true God. There is none like me, says the Lord, and I will bring the nations to nothing, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord, because I am the only true God. Okay, now the myths and the lies, this is important, the next part here. So look not at what you see happening and all that the media puts forward. Which is all lies and myths that seem like there could be something to it when there's nothing, says the Lord. This was a warning from General Flynn that he just spoke yesterday. I heard it. I thought, that is confirmation of the warning the Lord gave us. So we have to be careful not to listen to it. He was saying that because of um, the different audits being done of the elections, that the truth is going to be known, and because the people, the people that don't want the truth to be known are going to put up some kind of a scenario. That's the flag he was talking about. And so the person who was interviewing him was saying, well, is it going to be like 911? And he said, no, I don't believe it's going to be like 911, but it's going to be something that will catch the media's attention, and they will exploit it. They will exploit it and make it seem real. So we need to be discerning on what we're hearing and not fear and not give place to it. Because the media purports lies and myths. They don't tell the truth. They're not the Lord. They don't have the Spirit of God. Yes, there might be some in the media that are believers, but I believe the Lord is talking about specific things here. And that is what General Flynn was saying. He says, there's a flag. There's a flag coming. I don't know what it is, but I know they're going to try to do something. And he says, it's going to be before the end of summer. So we need to pay attention. There's a timeline on this. We are in almost to July now. Not much time left in summer, okay? Fear not. Okay, so he says, I am shaking the nations, even as my word says, the nations rage, and I will laugh. I will laugh, says the Spirit of God, because I know the answer, and I will win. Again, verse 4, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. People, this is the word of God, okay? This is what we need to speak in the face of this adversity, in the, in, in the face of lies and myths that seem like they're the truth and they're not. You might say, well, how can I know if it's the truth or not? Ask the Lord. Okay, as you're listening to the news, you're hearing this stuff come forward, say, Lord, is this from you? The Lord will tell you and you'll know. He, he will give you a sense. You'll just know. You'll have a feeling inside. Your, your uh, spirit will turn, and it will be disgusting to him. It's not for the Lord. But it's important that we ask because it's not going to be easy to discern this. I don't believe it's going to be easy. It's going to be something that we're going to have to be alert to, which is why the Lord is warning us. It says in, in Amos, I, you hear me quote this a lot, but in Amos 3, 7, it says, Nothing happens that the Lord does not tell his prophets first. He warns us. He loves us. We're his sheep. He wants us to be warned and alert. So I believe this is a warning. When I gave it, I wasn't sure if it was a warning or not. But then I was reading this. I thought, this is a warning from the Lord, you know? Okay, so he says, so, so fear not. Pursue your dreams. Pursue those things you always knew you were called to do. And know that I am with you. For I am raising up an army during this time, and you will defeat the enemy because you are my sons and daughters, says the Spirit of God. 
Okay, so we need to know who we are and proclaim that and grab hold of it and not be rocked by what's happening in the nations, what's happening in our nation, whatever the media is telling us that is happening that probably isn't happening. There's probably just a myth or some lie they put forth to cover up what they've done. See, they don't want the truth to be known. They don't want anything with the elections to be exposed. No, they want it to all be as it is. They do not want the truth. And so we have to be able to see through this. We've got to be able to see what God is doing, okay? Okay, so I'm going to turn to Matthew 24 now, verses 37 to 34. And as we're turning there, I was just thinking about this, the, the, the final paragraph. Sometimes when things start happening, we can get fearful. Even as believers, we get fearful. I get fearful. And we've got to grab a hold of the, the Lord and what he's saying to us and develop that relationship with him so we can discern what's happening and pursue what we're doing. Don't stop what you're doing. The Lord has spoken to each one of you about what you're called to do. Do it. Give, give all your heart to it. Go forward. Don't think, oh, this is it. What was the other thing that General was saying? He says, yeah, there's all this strange media right now about the ap apocalypse happening and about UFOs. How many have heard a lot of news about UFOs? Wait. He says, that's all a bunch of crap. That's what the general said. <laughs> anyway, that is what he said. I thought, yeah, right on it is. <laughs> See, that's the media trying to distract us, to get our focus on something other than what's really happening. It's not the apocalypse, and it's, there's not UFOs. They may say there is, but there isn't. I mean, I've even seen things on TV where there's this, they found this thing planted in the desert, and who knows where it came from, and then suddenly it disappeared, and oh, it must be something from outer space. You know, somebody planted it there. We have to investigate. I'm thinking, really? What a waste of time, you know? That's, that's, not, that's not the spirit of God, you know? Okay, so in Matthew uh, 24, this is a familiar scripture, but I believe we need to read it. And then what people will say, they'll say, the end is coming. This is why this has happened. The end is coming. You know what? I don't believe the end is yet because in Matthew 24, first it says, 24 36, of the day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So people that are saying, the Lord is coming. This is happening. Look at all this disaster, you know. Don't listen to that, okay? Don't listen to it. It says of the hour and the day, not even the angels know, but only the Father. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Watch, therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Because we don't know, that's all the more reason to be watchful and alert. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, now I want to go over to chapter 25 of Matthew, verses 14. Okay, this is, this is another example of what he's talking about. This is a parable of the talents. 
For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Then he would receive the five talents, went and traded with them, and made another five talents. Likewise, he also who had received two gained two more. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. That person was afraid. They were not pursuing what was given to them to pursue. Instead, they hid their talent. This is not a time people be hiding our talents. This is a time to be spreading the gospel, to be reaping the harvest, and to be using those talents the Lord's given you. It's not a time to draw back and to hide your talent. Okay, so what happened to this guy? It says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he, had received five, he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me five? I've given you five more talents. Okay? His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I gave you two more talents besides them. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And then down to 24, he said, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. He admits he was afraid. And went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. His Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I know, know not sown and gather where I have not gathered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who, takes, who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Okay, so watchfulness does not mean idleness, okay? Sometimes we think that watchfulness is idleness. And there's a certain um, segment of believers who think that way. And so right now, they have moved to other places because they think they're going to escape by doing that. Sold their houses, homes, moved to other countries. Maybe they're living somewhere far out in the boondocks because they think that's the thing to do right now. That's hiding your talents, who are you going to preach the gospel to out there? The birds? The deer? The bear? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I guess you could try. I don't know how much fruit that's going to bear. So watchfulness is not idleness, but a faithful discharge of one's responsibilities. Whatever it is you're called to do, whatever position you're in at your work, you know, whatever position you're in in regards to the kingdom of God, discharge your duties. Go forward. Pursue what God's called you to do. Don't be distracted by all the noise and chaos that's going on right now in the world. Listen only to the voice of the Lord and do what he's calling you to do. And that you'll be watchful. Because if you're listening and if you're looking, you will see what God's doing and you'll know what you're supposed to do. I truly believe that. And I think if you're out in the wilderness, you know, I don't know, maybe a bird will speak to you. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you might hear from the Lord, but I don't know. You know, you can, yeah, we need to be paying attention right now to what the Lord is telling us. So the wise use of gifts and abilities entrusted to us results in great opportunities. While their neglect results not only in the loss of more opportunities, but of that which was entrusted to us. So if we're not using our gifts... 
you know, then we could lose them because we're not being responsible and they kind of just go away. It's when we step out in faith and use them that the Lord gives us more. Amen? Okay, then Matthew 24, we're going to go back there and read in verse 3 because this talks about deception. And the Lord is clearly speaking to us in his word not to be deceived. Don't be deceived, he said. Don't be deceived by the media. Don't be deceived by the myths, because I am with you, said the Lord. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but do not be deceived by the myths and lies being put forth by the enemy right now. And that's what's happening. He's putting forth lies and myths through the media like crazy. It's just like a continual stream coming out. Okay, so 24 verse 3. This is uh, the signs of the times and the end of the age. It says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will the sign of your coming and be the end of the age be? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. Okay? Take, that is so important. I cannot emphasize the importance of that. And unfortunately, those that deceive you could be people in the body of Christ. Now, they may not knowingly be doing that, or they may be knowingly doing that, or they may be being affected by some kind of a demonic spirit. That happens. That does happen. So we need to be aware and not be too trusting. I feel like a lot of people in the body of Christ are very naive, and they just trust everybody. If they say Christian on their name, they're good to go. Don't do that. Even the enemy comes forth as a, as a Christian, look what the devil did. He's put his scriptures to Jesus. He said, you know, if you, just, if you just step off here, off of this building, give me the kingdom. Give me the kingdom, and I'll take over. Jesus knew better, and we have that same spirit of God within us that we can know, too. But we have to pay attention. Don't go through your days just lollygagging along, doing your job, doing whatever you normally do, and be uh, blinded to what's going on. It takes an alertness. Oh, Lord, help us to be alert. Help me to be alert. I mean, I'm guilty of this, too. I'm not innocent in this. But the Lord is calling us to alertness. So this is what he says. Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ. Here I am. I'm the Christ, okay? And will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. We're hearing that right now, wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all that these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. Need to remember that. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And here is the rule of thumb as to whether the Lord is returning or not. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. I don't believe the gospel has been preached in all the nations yet. Now, we have a lot of media right now. We have much more ability to preach the gospel in the nations, but I believe there's people that have not heard 
about the, the name of the Lord yet. And the Lord Jesus Christ wants everybody to have an opportunity to come to know him. And so until that happens, the end is not going to come yet. So fear not. Pursue what God is calling you to do. Give your heart to it. And ask the Lord if you don't understand what's happening. If you hear something on the media, your friends may be telling you something. Go into your prayer closet or even stand right where you are and just say, Lord, is this from you? Is this from you or is this a myth? Is this a lie? And he will let you know. You will know in your knower. You will know in here. Okay. My husband is going to come up and speak now. I'm going to leave him time. I'm not going to take the whole time. But anyway, I really felt like that's, this is a warning from the Lord. And so we need to pay attention when the Lord speaks to us because he loves us and he uh, wants us to succeed, okay? The enemy doesn't want us to succeed. The Lord wants us to succeed. Amen. Okay, dear. <laughs> Thank you. The reason I'm following second is because uh, a good way to be successful is follow somebody that was successful. So if I follow my wife, I'm looking pretty good. Hey, Matt. Matt said he had a little something he wanted to share. I think this would be a good time to do it. Uh, we had a, uh, a very significant event yesterday that happened, and uh, we said goodbye to a, a member of our church, a member of our family. And uh, I don't want it to go by without taken a moment as a family and as a church uh, to take a breath and, uh, and take a moment and, and think about the significance of that. Um, I'm fairly new here, and I hadn't known Barry all that long, um, and I wish I'd had. And, uh, but I know he was so important to a lot of us here. And when we lose somebody like that, it takes a piece of a heart, and it affects all of us. And it's so important that uh, you realize how important you are uh, to each one of us, because it may be something small now, but as we grow in that love and that friendship and that knowledge of each other, it's going to grow more. And uh, I, you know, uh, the prophetic word coming to me, Nancy, I just, I felt like I wanted to cover a couple of things. So, Sandra, it was a year ago that Barry passed away, and for a lot of us, it was a, it was, it was a year of waiting. And uh, yesterday was such a beautiful gift for all of us yeah. to uh, take a moment and, uh, and see what Barry really meant to so many people up there. Uh, Michael McSwain talks about the, our soul being a temple. And uh, we see how we impact one another within these walls. But we just don't see what Ross does outside these walls and the impact that he has on other temples that are out there. You know, in, uh, in Sid and, and, oh my gosh, Robert. I mean, all the lives that each one of us uh, impact, and it becomes so much bigger than this church, right? And, uh, and while I'm up here, uh, a 
Carla. I need you to outsid the kid. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> so a, a memorial service is probably one of the hardest things for us to go to. It's one of the hardest things for us to endure, but is probably the one, one of the most beautiful things we'll go to, right? Um, I remember all the memorial services that I've been to. Weddings, after a certain part in the reception, maybe not so much. But for a memorial service, I remember all that. One of the things I've noticed through the years is that um, funerals for the young seem to bring a huge crowd. But as somebody ages, their fear of influence kind of decreases. And then it gets smaller. Uh, but Barry's service yesterday, this place is pretty much full. And it is a huge testament of what kind of man he was and how many lives he touched. And it was such an inspiration. I, when, if we lose somebody here, we all need to be there. We all need to be there. Because we just, it's, it's, it's an inspiration uh, watching his kids talk about what kind of dad he was. You know, there's a gentleman in the second row that didn't know Christ. And through Barry's uh, ferocious uh, love of the Lord and spreading it, eventually brought that man to Christ. And, the, and, that, and that man was, Barry was his best friend, you know. And then Mark uh, uh, um, eloquently uh, stated that he was his best friend. So he set it right straight. But anyway, um, nothing was mentioned about the cars he drove. Nothing was mentioned about the house he lived in. Nothing was mentioned um, about what he had. The only thing that was mentioned was how much he loved. Right? Mm. So, uh, so I, I believe that I was thinking as I was driving here this morning that, you know, sorrow is such a hard emotion for us to deal with. But I, I think it's probably one of the most beautiful things that God has given us because it's in those moments of sorrow that we just kind of come to our knees and we open our hearts up and we just hurt. And what do we want? We want comfort. We want fellowship. We want to be with one another to help each other through those hard times. And so... Um, so... What did yesterday mean, mean to me? You know, it makes me want to. Makes me want to live harder, love more, love more. It makes me want to be a better husband. You know, a better friend. Um, you should, uh, you should live your life every day like you're writing your eulogy. You know, uh, what influence are you going to have? What is your service going to look like? What are people going to say about you? Right? So do me a favor. When you guys go home today, call a friend that you hadn't talked to in a long time just to call them up and tell them you love them. And because you will never know, you'll never know 
the last conversation you have with somebody. Thank you, Matt. I read somewhere that our lives are basically made up of those who have affected us in our life. And because of Barry, I believe I was a better person. Because of you, I'm a different person. I'm a better person. Um, it's just the way it works. You mentioned sorrow. I think one of the deepest parts of grief and sorrow is this. It says Jesus was a man of sorrow and he was acquainted with grief. Uh, acquainted, he was in friendship with grief. And in our sorrow and in our grief, we can find that that's, the Lord is also there. So thank you for sharing that. It was a beautiful service. It's hard for us to understand death. Death is a fearful thing. What's on the other side? What's waiting for us? I shared yesterday one of Barry's big dreams was, I mean, he has a $50,000 camper and $75,000 truck to carry it around. And we're sitting in this and he's dreaming about a converted school bus to take sometime. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so uh, I said, uh, perhaps uh, Jesus says in heaven there's many mansions. His mansion is everybody in heaven staring at it for the longest time wondering, what's the school bus doing up here? <laughs> Waiting for Barry to arrive. The prophetic word, how do we respond to that? I, I think Nancy opened it up very eloquently. Yeah. And... Uh, we would really be remiss if we left here today and didn't have some points on that to ponder and to think about and to ruminate on. Um, so I encourage you to do that. Now, what I'd like everybody to do right now is just stretch a little bit, take a deep breath. This is our midsummer, and we all have that midsummer face look, like, <laughs> like. I stayed up way too late because it's light all the time and I'm having fun. So take a deep breath, breathe in. Hold it, hold it. Okay. Um, the title of the message for both Nancy and I was about rage. Uh, mine was the latest rage. You know, growing up, the latest rage was a term that, that I heard often. The latest ra rage was uh, hula hoops. Hula hoops are the latest rage. The Beatles are the latest rage. You know, maybe Cat Stevens is the latest rage. You know, the latest rage. But uh, in the scripture, in Psalms 2.1, where it says, uh, why do the nations rage? There's two ways of looking at that. Rage, uh, in uh, the dictionary, says uh, violent, uncontrollable anger distorting one's face. Now, that's Greek. But this was written in Hebrew. 
Hebrew is descriptive in, the, in objects through nouns and looks differently than Greek, Greek thinking. Greek thinking is uh, more through adjectives and descriptions. But in the Hebrew, where it says, why do the nations rage, that rage means this in Hebrew, a snorting, pawing, prancing horse, meaning haughty, high-minded, proud. Why do the nations rage towards God, thinking themselves high and haughty and, you know, we're all this and we do not need God. That's literally what that scripture is saying. We, we can do this. We got this. We do not need God. And then it says right after that, God's up in heaven, laughs. Have at it. You know, those of us that have raised teenagers, at one point in time, bucking up against certain things with teenagers, you go, have at it. But while all this is going on, the raging of the nations and, and uh, the, the media and the distortions and, and the lies, uh, the scripture's clear. It tells us, you know, that in the end times, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears or tickling what they want to hear. Just, just speak to me what I want to hear. Um, and in the midst of that, there's a tremendous amount of fear. I had mentioned the, the fear of death. We don't understand death. That's the main thing. All fear stems out of the fear of death. And the reason it stems out of the fear of death is because we don't understand death because in our original creation, there was no death. For my wife and I, we lost our son when he was 19 years old in a car accident. Sudden thing, wonderful son, loved the Lord, uh, very involved uh, with serving God, going to college, just a good son, loved him. And just a sudden traumatic experience that just devastated us. Yeah. It took me a long time to recover. Uh, I, I would say you never fully recover uh, the best way I could describe that is that I had been run through with a spear. That's the kind of pain I felt. But eventually the spear's pulled out, but that hole's forever there. But we don't understand death because it was never originally put in our spirits to die. It took the Lord showing me a National Geographic film on Yellowstone to finally speak to my heart. I'm watching uh, this Yellowstone, and they showed these bison, and the bison are all, you know, they walk in line. They follow one another, and they're crossing a, a frozen river. They're crossing a, a frozen river, and here comes a mom bison, and right behind her is her young bison, and the young bison falls through a hole. 
and the mother turns around and stares at it, and that young bison is struggling, 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 and then disappears under the ice. And that mother sat there and stared at that hole for the longest time because, see, it's not in creation. Death was never originally a part of the plan. But praise be to God, Jesus Christ came and gives us victory in the face of death. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so I kind of want to get back onto what I feel the Lord was directing me originally this, this morning. In Luke 21, verse 26, it tells us that men's hearts in the end times will be failing them because of fear. Now, again, fear has its basis in, in death. But we no longer have to fear death. I mean, this body's going to, we're going to cast off this mortal coil, you know. The Apostle Paul, in many of his writings, like, how long until I get to do this? In, in our lives today, I, maybe you do, I don't. I don't think in terms, I'm like, how long can I hang on to this? I kind of like it here. But it says their hearts will fail them from fear. Fear has such a control uh, if we think our governments do not understand fear-mongering and how to control people through fear, we're being foolish. So we need to be very careful when it comes to what we allow to lead us, guide us, and direct our decisions. Is it fear-based or is it faith-based? Psalm 91 verse 5 tells us, do not fear the arrow that flies by day or the terrors of the night. It says, just don't do it. I mean, I don't know how to read it any differently. When it comes to me, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. The Lord told me not to. That's a good answer, you know. Well, I think I'm going to do this, but the Lord told me not to. In Matthew 10, verse 28, it says, Fear not those who can harm the body. Again, the Lord speaking to us, don't worry so much about this life, this carcass, that this is just a, a, a shadow, a foreshadowing of what's to come for us. In Isaiah 43, 1, this is one of my favorite scriptures. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. It's like, okay, Lord, I need some help on this one. Fear not, you've redeemed me. Um, but that big guy is still going to pulverize me. He said so. Or, you know, whatever fear you have, you know, that could come your way, I'm still out of a job. I'm fearing my next month's bills. I'm still in, you know, whatever it might be. My marriage is in crisis. And I'm fearing what, what will happen. And the Lord's saying, I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. 
there's something so powerful in that, so absolute in that. It's not a, um, a changeable thing. It says, fear not, I've redeemed you. I have called you by name. You're mine. When I was a young man, I had a car fall on me, crush me. I was way out in the middle of nowhere. There was a road because there was a car, but it was still out there. And uh, the Lord spoke to my wife. First of all, she said, I don't think you should go work on that car. But I wasn't in the practice of listening to my wife. And I'm still not in the practice of it, but I am doing better. Um, And she told me not to go. And then she said she was at the kitchen sink or somewhere. Our children were very young. And he said to her, I'm going to take Mark home. And she said, no, Lord, not now. Well, I don't know this. I'm up here. This car has no wheels on it. It's just on a bumper jack. And I climb under it for just a second, and boom, it crushes me. And once that breath is gone, there's no way to get more air. Can't expand to take in more air. And I just went off into the ethers. I mean, for a moment, I was like, my, my wife, my kids, what, what, do, I, what do I do? Um, And the Lord spoke to me. Some of those things are still being revealed uh, to me to this day. But he spoke to me very clearly. Fear not. You have been redeemed. I've called you by name, and I know you. And that was so clear to me, and I know it was the voice of the Lord, There was stuff going on around me because there were other people there that were trying to figure out how to get that car back up off me. They eventually did. They drug me out. They prayed over me. They said my chest just snapped and crackled, and I breathed in. I lost a lot of my fear of death at that point. Because I had that moment of knowing when I pass from this life that there is a God that knows me by name and has called me. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says this, without a vision, the people perish. Another way of putting that is without a vision, the people live carelessly in the land. Uh, They don't take, they don't have a care about their purpose, about their direction, about what they're doing, about their objectives. In church, we go and we use that a lot. Well, what's our vision, pastor? 
what do you have in mind for building onto this place? I'm like, that's not my vision. It's not my vision. You want to build onto the place? Let's build onto the place. That's not a vision. That's a project. Well, pastor, what's our vision? Are we going to go out and hit the streets? And like, you want to go out and hit the streets? Go out and hit the streets. That's part of the vision, not the vision. So what is a vision that a church should have? As a disciple, a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ, your vision should be this. Number one, glorify God in all that you do. Number two, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody you meet in the way that you do it. Now, that's important, the way that you do it. Every one of us will do that in a different way because there's somebody that God will lead you to that can only receive it from the way that you do. When I was a young Christian, I was on fire to preach the hot dog doctrine. You know what that is? You better turn or you're going to burn. Because I have imagined myself to be an evangelist, but I'm not. We can all evangelize on some level, but I'm not an evangelist. People kept coming up to me, pastor, we want you to, we want you to, we want to, and I'm like, I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. They're like, no, you're not. But I was talking with a brother this week, and we were talking about preaching the gospel, and I said, you know, really, I found my way of preaching the gospel is, is this. I just graft people into my life. And if that graft takes hold, great. And that's the way I do it. Every one of you has a different way of preaching the gospel, but we have two objectives. Glorify God in all that you do. We were created to bring glory to Him. And you can only do it the way you do it. You can't do it the way somebody else does it. He's created you uniquely individual. He's given you a name that he's called you by when he redeemed you that only he. It's a unique name, by the way. And then to preach the gospel in all the world, then the end will come. The reason I share this is, and the reason is because of the word that was given, the prophetic word, could lead us into a survival mentality instead of a kingdom mentality. The last thing we need to be as Christians is entered into a survival mentality. Our God is going to take care of us. Our God will not let us go without provision. He will provide he will take care of you. He will lead you. He will guide you. You should get up and do a good job. And whatever you find your hand to, it says do as unto the Lord. It doesn't mean sit back and say, well, I'm going to wait for God to bring a check from heaven. <laughs> may not happen. Then again, if you have the faith, I'd love you to tithe off of it when you do. but preach the gospel in whatever way you do it, but do it. 
Do not enter into a less than kingdom directive. We have been called into a kingdom. We live in a kingdom. I lose sight of that. But the Lord's always faithful to bring me back to that. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.